Welcome to another Christian Education National Podcast. Another episode where we bring you the audio of a presentation that has and hopefully will continue to encourage Christian educators. May it be an encouragement to you and your work for His Kingdom. Welcome everyone. We're together for a Connect Live event and we're just having a chat with um, Darren Spinksma. So Darren has joined us from um, Canada. Uh, Darren is the um, Director of Learning for the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia. So g'day Darren, how are you doing today? Yeah, great, thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, good. And um, we've got Alice Muston here and she's the Teaching and Learning Advisor from Victoria. So g'day Alice. Yeah, it's good to be here. Glad to get chatting about what the future might look like. Yep. And we've got Dan Clark joining us from Queensland. Dan is a Christian educator and he's uh, doing a bit of work for Afrocrucis at the moment. So Dan, it's great to have you. Yes, good to be on here. I'm looking forward to chatting and seeing what insight Darren can give us. Yeah, and Emily's in Adelaide. Emily's at Torrens Valley Christian School. She's the deputy uh, principal with a teaching and learning role. So good day to Emily. Hi there, everyone. Good to be here. And enjoying the warm weather when we're all a little having experienced a cold snap, we've got Michael Tula, who's the principal at Settler Christian College. Is that right, Michael? That's correct. Good day, everyone. How are you? Well, we thought we'd get our little crew together um, just to have a little bit of a chat about this whole COVID-19 episode of um, learning uh, from home mostly. Uh, In Australia, we're all at different levels of returning to school. I know in South Australia, where I am, we've had a week where really we've had 70% of the students back um, on campus. But it's also been fabulous that we've had... um, that online learning set up already for the students who have to work at home. We've got a couple of teachers who, because of different health concerns, are working from home and it's fabulous that they've got that option to do so. Victorian schools are mostly working from home at the moment. Northern Territory have been um, really pushed back into the classroom, back on campus. Just heard an announcement today that Tasmanian schools will be back on campus next week and New South Wales are rolling um, start slowly back to on campus. So Darren, that's our, our Western Australia, we miss them out. Um, Western Australia are more or less back in the classroom as well. So Darren, we're, we're just sort of, um, we've had a month of hard work, a little bit of holiday time, but teachers have been working, working hard to put their, their work online. And now we're sort of thinking, wow, we're coming back out of this. But you're still in mostly working from home mode. Is that right? Give us an update on what uh, life's like for you in Canada at the moment. Yeah, that is correct. Um, in uh, each of our provinces runs their own education system in the province of British Columbia. Um, we are work from um, school at home. Um, and it, with it, you know, everybody's calling it something different. Online learning, remote learning, emergency remote learning, connected learning, you name it, everyone's, you know, found a different way to spin it. Um, with the exception of uh, the kids of frontline workers. So schools have been asked to provide uh, an emergency program for frontline workers. So the kids, the stu- uh, students that are children of healthcare professionals, um, and anyone that's considered frontline workers. And then we're just moving to a stage of um, students with diverse needs and those that are marginalized for a whole variety of reasons. So kind of phase two of incorporating some of the most highly at-risk students who need school for 
for food potentially um, or whatever their needs might be. That sort of phase two is just beginning. Um, and we find out on May 15th if we're going to move beyond that or if that's actually how we're going to finish the year. May 15th is kind of the, kind of the date for us. So that is, um, that is how we're, we're rolling. The present uh, ministry would say a return to school in a measured and careful way. That's the language that's being used right now in the, in the province of British Columbia. Some of us had a little chat with you about three or four weeks ago, and um, we asked you what are some of the characteristics that you were wanting to embed in your school at home model, and you talked about care and connection and then competency, um, sort of the last thing, but really making sure you're caring and connecting for your families and for your staff. How has that gone, do you think? You know, I think by by area, I think one of the interesting challenges was when this first crisis first came, we assumed that leaders were really going to have to dial in on their executive leadership skills because of all the variables that were, were coming our way. But what we actually saw in crisis, it was actually their relational skills that really came to play um, in this time because any person with a predisposition to anxiety, whether they're a child or an adult, this was a terribly demanding and is a terribly demanding experience. And if you add some financial concerns to that, and there are many people uh, in Canada out of work presently, um, it has, uh, that has really um, showed its, its face. And one of the, it's actually been one of, the, one of the lights too, because in Christian communities, we have seen just this huge surge of people, and maybe it's because they're looking for an opportunity to connect, serving people in new, unique, and special ways, both on staff and parent communities. Um, those that are able have really stepped up um, as, a, as Christian communities and probably non-Christian communities as well, but I'm thinking specifically of our school communities um, where we've seen staff really pull together um, and support each other with both the, the emotional needs that people have, but also the physical needs and financial needs that people might have. So what have some of the other people in Australia noticed as far as um, that sort of message, that sort of leadership and characteristics of our community at this time? What have we noticed? Or what are some of the good stories you've, um, you perhaps might highlight for us? Alice, what about you and Victoria? What have you um, noticed from leadership? Oh, look, I think... That's been one of the most exciting, I don't know if exciting is the right word, but the most rewarding thing I've seen across our network. I mean, I had a leaders meet last night with 15 joining weekly. So just to see the teaching and learning leaders, how much they've united, come together, supporting each other. Um, and, and that's been what they've shared about their schools as well, that um, their communities have really come together. And from the parent engagement to the student, obviously student engagement is so wide and varied, <laughs> varied. But um, yeah, there's just been so many good stories of the community and connection um, and how our communities have been really creative in meeting, I guess, their parents and thinking about how to celebrate as well in this time. So it's been a lot more, a lot more of, um, yeah, encouraging and things to give thank, thanks for during this time. 
Michael, what have you seen in the Northern Territory um, as far as that goes? What, what's been really valuable at this time from your leadership and from um, your community? Yeah, the, the territory is full of fairly robust individuals as a as a culture, and it's um, yeah, it's, it's quite a, a blessing being up here. Um, you know, I can speak from our community. We had a, we've actually had a few tragedies this year. We um, had a, a school um, parent pass away in a in a car accident that made um, kind of international headlines, and um, so we managed that process and still do. And in term one, and then. Um, on the first day back of term two, we had a teacher hit a tree at 100k an hour and miraculously survived and his first day back today, actually. And, and so through these kind of situations and the coronavirus hitting um, and the, the Zooming and the remote learning, uh, we're running a, um, every Wednesday a, a dress-up day and the kids are in the community getting behind it. But, um, yeah, under intense pressure, it crystallises relationships and you, you see the good the bad and everything in between but you see community and you see uh, really the bible and you see our relationships and you you, you get to um, unfurl that um, in an authentic way which is just uh, such a privilege in our christian schools up here all our sister schools we've pulled together we've done three leadership meetings in fact i've got another one in 10 minutes um We've been meeting, um, we bunkered down, and um, it's actually been a privilege to kind of endure this time together. Emily, I'm just wondering because you're in the thick of a staff at school there too, what are some of the great um, shared learning experiences your staff have talked about in this time? Yeah, sort of echoing off the back of what Alice was saying about community, I think this idea of um, because of the way we've set up our model too, that we were designing for school at home. The fact that teachers have probably collaborated in a, in a better way than they ever have before and had, had to step out of um, silo mentality in some cases and really work together and support one another with content building and with some technical support and all of those sorts of things. I, I've also seen a, a huge resilience um, to change. Um, so we've had rapid change, particularly in the technological space. We were coming over to a new learning management system anyway, but um, a year's worth of learning in that we've had to um, get across in two weeks. So their resilience to that, that rapid change has been really positive um, and just an encouragement of one another. So even I think there's this sense of it's not, a, it's not about me, it's what we're doing for one another to serve one another um, in community. And from our leadership, our executive have actually made decisions together. So the principals, you know, sought counsel from executive and we've made decisions together. We've met, at, we're meeting every day for, for about three weeks just to, to check in. Things are changing so quickly too with what the government's recommending. So to, to be in that space um, with, a, with a collaborative exec team has been fantastic um, and support, but just an empowerment too from leadership, um, empowerment from my principal to, to allow me to do my thing um, and, and execute skills and um, execute ideas um, and, and give us those not only human resources, but an empowerment just to get things done. So just a couple of things, both from staff and, and leadership have been wonderful. So Darren, we'll throw back to you. Um, so what do you think you want to really hold on to from this period of time uh, as, a, as a school director, well, a leader of a network of schools? What would you like to see your schools hang on to as they um, perhaps move out of this COVID-19 period of teaching in a few weeks' time? Um, the 
first and I think probably the hardest is there's been a renewed value of time and slowing down and how that has a positive impact on um, a lot of things. And, uh, you know, there's less travel, there's less school activities, there's less. And as a result, um, I think a lot of people are feeling um, that slow down. Like we're at the stage now where people are used to waiting in line and that's just life. And people are no longer frustrated, or most people aren't frustrated by that anymore. Whereas initially it's like, what, a line? I don't wait in line. Um, everything needs to be instantaneous. Um, so that's one. Um, one that's also, I think, bubbled up for a lot of uh, the independent schools for us here in British Columbia is just there's a deep awareness of privilege. Um, a lot of our families are still working um, and aren't feeling uh, some deep financial pressure. And the privilege, but also that comes with a, with a deep faith community and what that means. Um, so not just the traditional sense of privilege. Um, and then, you know, people have mentioned the, the collaboration and the lack of silo and this idea of, you know, four fourth grade teachers um, co-creating everything. And, you know, one of my concerns with going back quickly is that um, it'll be easy to slide back into the way it was. And I'm actually hoping that we are, find a way to, to keep the communal ownership. Um, to keep the cross-campus teamwork, the, the conversations that are about learning um, rather than some of the other frills of school that we believed were actually important at one time but are really starting to question. Um, and then one thing that we haven't quite wrapped our mind around, we're having actually a meeting on Tuesday with a number of learning leaders in British Columbia around um, summative assessment feels oddly fake and weird right now um, and we have the freedom in British Columbia to design our year-end assessments to suit our context and our program and there's a weird sort of freedom and fear dynamic with that um, both in regard to um, what parents are expecting um, but also, you know, the government right now is saying you have a lot of flexibility, but a lot of people are like, is it still going to be that way in June or what's going to happen? Um, so maybe not trusting the message at this stage, even though our Ministry of Education has been very consistent. Um, and schools have gone to descriptive feedback and multiple iterations and less is more. And the quality of work is actually improving in many situations, not all situations but in many situations and that has forced teachers to add a level of creativity to what it means to be a classroom teacher right now and that's choice that's an improvement quality um yeah so a whole variety of things that are interconnected to i think really getting back to what the main thing is like i know it's cliche but the main thing being the main thing and um, because you can't do everything, schools have had to double down on, first of all, what is learning. And then, you know, the leadership is saying, but we have to double down on mission as well. So what does remote learning 
mission-directed remote learning or online learning look like? Sorry, can I just jump in there? Because because I know like lots of our schools, including Christian schools, we've been amazingly successful, I think. Teachers, the kudos, highest kudos, because they've been so successful in learning, uh, delivering learning material online. Um, but what are some of the strategies that we can do to ensure we don't just you know, fall into that delivering content kind of mode, but continue to shape worldview in a, in a God-honoring way? How have your um, teachers been exploring that? Yeah, great. The single biggest way, and I think probably the, we talk about this being emergency online learning. Mm. Um, what, does, what does service look like in this space? Mm. Um, for us, that idea that learning is not about self and what are the ways that we are encouraging. And we've had families um, you know, show up at old age homes that they're not allowed to go into, but they've got a buddy in there and they know what window it is. Mm-hmm. And by family, schools are encouraging families to write letters and show up at old and stand outside and sing songs and those sort of things. I think this was thrust upon us so quickly the the priority for our schools has been let's just make sure learning is oriented outside of self. Mm-hmm. And then if this continues into the six, eight, 18 months, because that's what some of the language is here in British Columbia, that flowing in and out of home learning um, is going to be a reality for the next 18 months here in Canada. Mm. That's That's the way they're talking, this sort of just ebb and flow. Schools need to be able to do, you know, or some kids at some times, some kids at other times, like this almost transient model is what we're headed towards probably for next year. And so we've got to think deeply about that in the future. But right now in this sort of emergency state, um, we're really just saying, how do we orient it outside of self and bring joy to other people? Mm, I love that uh, bringing the aspect of bringing the whole family along in the learning journey. And so many of our schools, we talk about partnership with parents and authentic partnership and recognizing that parents are the, you know, the God ordained ones for teaching and we assist parents in that role. Um, and often that is rhetoric when we royally boil down to it. Um, but in this case, we actually are working in partnership with parents to deliver education. So what, do you, what are some of the um, unexpected out, uh, opportunities, I suppose, that this opportunity is provided? And how can we, um, particularly in Australia, as we start to go back to normal, how do we make this partnership with parents more authentic and real and keep this going, do you think? So one of the ways that we're... Um, playing with that right now is we basically decided that literacy and numeracy was going to be done by grade level, but what we would call inquiry, so our um, applied skills, our science, our social studies, and that sort of stuff would be module-based for families. So rather than doing the phases of the moon in third grade, the elementary is engaging as a group everyone is doing the phases of the moon at the same time at different levels. And so suddenly, you know, you've got a kindergarten student, a third grader and a seventh grader all laying on their lawn at night with their parents talking about the exact same thing at different levels. Um, So that's one of the ways that um, schools, um, one school has said, we, we do an inquiry question every Monday. And we did that because of remote learning, but we think we're going to actually keep that going when we go, and that's a K to seven remote or one school said, Hey, I love that. Let's go K to 12. 
So I haven't heard how that's going, but I know that successfully in the elementary, um, there's a school that's like, we're not going back. Um, we love the, the Monday morning inquiry question for families and how that ties learning together. So that's one of the things that I've seen. And Emily, I mean, what are, what are some of the things you've seen in your school too and that you might want to hold on to as well? Yeah, um, it's interesting um, with the, the question about that service learning and, and Dan's question to Darren about how they're going about, sure, we're all set up for remote learning, we've got the delivery systems in place, we've got the, the, the actual content um, and it was conversations with Darren previously um, and then also the work that Alice and Fiona have done on the Threads uh, work for remote learning um, that got me considering how do we, when we set up our learning goals for the week, instead of it being about what I need to do with my learning and what I'm going to focus on for my learning, um, we start with the first goal being um, how do we engage in God's, God's story for the week and, and what are we going to be responsible for in our Christian practices. So. We've created this um, threads um, each week and, and using the, the, the um, resources that Fiona and Alice have written in that of the first one for this week was building community. So encouraging the students when they set their learning goals of well, what, are you, what are you going to do? What activity are you going to do that encourages or builds community? Or what are your Christian practices going to be? And um, one of the students yesterday, they just decided, oh, I've noticed that um, we're all at school and there were two students learning from home and that's fine. But they reached out with an email to say, hey, how are you tracking at home? We miss you here at school. So getting them to think and other students written 100 letters to um, different different um, kids around the place just to encourage them and actually posting them. So getting them to frame their week before they even think about their content learning to think about those practices intentionally and write it down before they write their learning goals. So thank you to Darren for his thoughts on that a few weeks ago, but also thank you to Alice and Fiona for your work on the threads because it's really helped frame how we set up our learning goals for the week. Darren, I, I wanted to ask you, one of the things I guess I'm seeing across some of our schools is that we've got, it seems to be still quite teacher-directed learning where teachers setting the learning, we're trying to, obviously we're doing flipped learning. Um, one of the exciting things has been that, you know, in terms of upskilling staff, you've got, you know, in the last three weeks, our schools have just grown so much, probably what we've tried to do in three years in terms of technology, ideas in learning, thinking about the learning, then working out how you're going to teach, thinking about how to engage students and online is also exciting. Um, I think I'm just saying, like, how do we create it more student-directed rather than teacher-directed? Have you found that in terms of assessment or what schools are doing in that space? We've seen some success in that area. Um, one of the ways that I would say um, we've seen the most success is schools have either structured their learning for, for students with this is first, this is next, this is last. So it's that idea that there is some choice that way. Um, so mm -hmm. that's one way. Or this is essential, this is, you know, this is next, and then this would be extra, however you want to you want to use. But then we've had a few schools that have said, here are the five things you need to do every day. And every Monday, we're going to give you a weekly menu for you to choose from. And it's basically just a huge bingo sheet. And kids are choosing the different um, one, different aspects of learning that they want to engage with under these daily categories like literacy, numeracy, activity, inquiry, mm -hmm. um, that sort of thing. So this idea of it's good to have a schedule and some structure, and we've been supporting families in what is a, a flexible but 
still structured approach to this look like, but then not being so structured that, that kids need to check in with attendance and say, hey, I'm here, you know, now I'm going to turn my video off. Mm. Um, because that's actually made, I actually find that a little bit disrespectful of people and the complexity of life in this challenging time. Mm. Um, so that's something that I've seen that I, I get pretty excited about both as a parent and as an educator. Yeah, that's great. I think um, also in terms of, have you thought of any ways of engaging parents in the assessment or reflection of what they're seeing in their students? I guess we're seeing across our schools, um, parents are so involved in the learning now that they're noticing things about their kids that they hadn't before about their learning. Like, oh, I can see that they're really thriving in this way or I can see, oh, I can look at that and extend them this way or actually, oh, they're a bit behind. So they're actually becoming a lot more engaged in the learning at this point in time. Um, and it's kind of thinking about, we've been discussing how do we engage them in the assessment or engage them in feedback um, going forward have you had any discussions around that um early discussions like we have a few templates that we're playing with but i think that's the only stage we're really at with where um we're we're creating learning targets that are student-friendly learning targets and then there's a box for students to make comments if they're able to or for parents to write down what the students are saying about that learning target for parents to make observations in a second box and then the teacher to make observations that the teacher feels it's necessary or to mm. make suggestions. Um, but it's early days for us. One of the things And that, it depends on the parent's yes, situation sure. as well. We can't expect that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think the other thing that we're realizing is like year-end report cards are gonna feel oddly strange if all we're doing is uh, repeating what parents have told us their students have done. <laughs> yeah. That seems a little redundant and that is really yes. flipping year-end reports on its head and we're still not sure how to sort that out. Um, yeah, yeah, we're still sorting through reporting too. Yeah, I wondered about that. Um, Alice, what are you doing in Victoria? We've actually got um, parent-teacher interviews were due to be, uh, well, conversations were due to be held next week and we're going ahead with them via telephone. Um, Alice, what are the, some of the schools in Victoria doing as far as that sort of um, formal parent-teacher connection goes? Yeah, look, I think... I we were actually talking last night that we felt some of the parent-teacher interviews, we didn't need to have that um, because there's been so many check-ins each week, phone calls that are happening and that dialogue is there. I think then, in t so that formative assessment, teachers are still wrestling what's authentic and what are they getting back um, at this point and that's varied across our schools. Um, but in terms of reporting We've had Victoria, our education department has given us some exemptions that we can do, um, but we are still trying to work out, yeah, what does a report card look like at this point? So in terms of conferences, we're probably still looking further down the track if they need to happen, not at this point, um, but thinking about reporting is on the card. So we were still trying to thrash mm -hmm. that out about what, how we can yeah. do that well and how um, we can be informative, but also authentic yeah mm. Darren you might have some thoughts on this we um, were together a few of the year 12 teachers were concerned about one or two students that perhaps have um, sometimes they're a little bit disengaged for some sort of family circumstances anyway with schooling and in this time we've had less contact with that student so we've just tried to all work at getting that student back engaged especially now when they can start coming back to school but 
um, they weren't at school this week. What are, what are some of the suggestions for how we get alongside schools that are really, I mean, student, students and families who perhaps are disengaged in this time? Um, we definitely, um, our Minister of Education, in a, an attempt to um, bring the anxiety down, made a statement that he regretted instantly, I believe, which basically said everyone who was going on track to graduate will graduate. And suddenly you've got 30% of grade 12 students saying, okay, then I'm out. Um, and we, he had to, uh, he had to uh, adjust. Um, and what the ministry did is encourage schools and districts to define what sufficient learning is. And what that actually did is that allowed, again, allowed even um, secondary teachers to distill sort of what's the most important for students in these three months that we have left. If they're going on to university, what are those key conceptual understandings that they need to have? And then that's where they're focusing the time with the students that are struggling to engage either because of a lack of support, they haven't developed the, the ownership of their learning yet. Um, but I feel like that's a case-by-case -case basis. Um, if there's no relationship pre-COVID, it is pretty tough to grab those those marginalized kids. Yeah, I, I sort of, um, you know, we talked about leadership before and staff, and then now we're talking about families. It seems sometimes behaviours or characteristics of families have mag sort of been magnified at this time. If they were engaged, they've become really, really engaged. If they perhaps were a little bit on the cusp of being disengaged, you know, they've been easily slipping away. So, um, yeah, we're at that time of really making sure that uh, we're pulling students back in, especially the senior school students, you're right, um, what's essential for them to get them through. At least for us, it's uh, another few months till the end of the year 12 school year. But for you in the Northern Hemisphere, yes, only a few more weeks left of your school year. That's a, a little bit of a different um, scenario to us. Um, Dan, you had a question about staff welfare at this time. You want to ask that one? Yeah, Darren, I'm just really interested how your admins, uh, people in admin have found ways to look after and care for teaching staff um, because the teacher staff workload has changed so dramatically, um, not only in what it looks like on a day to day basis, but often they're preparing things for um, on, you know, during the day. But then there's a lot of work going on online as well. Um, so as we've been adding more things onto the plate, what creative ways have your admin found to take things off the plate to ease up and, and to care for staff well-being, really? Um, a few creative things that I think um, will also hopefully continue post-COVID. Um, one is um, administrators both modeling and almost going as far as demanding a 24-hour Sabbath, like publishing to their community from this time to this time that mm -hmm. every staff member is incognito. Um, that's just how it is. And being very forceful that way. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and then in secondary schools, um, ensuring that teachers have evening office hours. And the idea is if you have mm -hmm. evening office hours, when it's not your office hours, you should be able to shut off. So if you've got evening office hours for two hours on Tuesday and two hours mm -hmm. on Thursday, you should be able to not need office hours in the evening, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Uh, ultimately, some teachers still choose to engage, mm -hmm. but then they're actually making that choice. So, you know, I have a hard time feeling as sorry for the teacher 
if you put those structures in place, they choose not to work with those structures and then feel overwhelmed. That's a different, you know, professional dynamic. But I think that's two ways. Um, morning devotions as a staff online and really emphasizing spiritual leadership. Um, like we've talked about executive leadership. We've talked about mm -hmm. relational leadership. But seeing leaders really step up as the spiritual leader of their community and having scheduled expected time where staff and staff can show up with their kids on their lap if they want to. We're doing worship. We're doing devotions mm -hmm. as a staff. And if your kids are there, bring your kids and we'll tell stories. And the administrator really taking the lead of being the spiritual leader. Um, those, are, those are ways that I've really seen. And then just one-on-one -on -one connections. Like scheduling. Mm -hmm. 15-minute meetings on a regular basis, and then a lot of time on the phone, on Zoom, um, encouraging staff to turn their video on, because without that, you've lost the body language. And, uh, you, you know, that's, a, that's mm. an important part of communication when we're talking well-being. Yeah, abs absolutely. In fact, I read an article yesterday that said, um, you know, why are we so tired from all these Zoom meetings? And the way your body... Um, responds and you learn from people's reactions just by seeing them in the flesh normally it is um so much more tiring for your brain to process when you're just listening and you're not reading someone's body language and facial expression so that was an interesting insight to to think about um but yes i was in the staff room on uh wednesday social distancing of course but there were two uh, primary school teachers working together and planning um their first next and last for next week and it was just wonderful to hear them working together um really deciding to um sort of stage that learning and what was really important and what did they want to what were the goals of learning for next week that i think was a far richer conversation than they normally have when we're all back in our classrooms and um how do we keep some of those things happening how do we hold on um, to those things but what are we also excited to leave behind um, what are some of the things we we are keen to leave behind in our Australian schools but Darren what are some of the things you're keen to leave behind as uh, you start to open up maybe in a few months time or next school year zoom you know google meets whatever you're using like it used to be novel to have a Zoom meeting. And now I think people are just going to moan and groan. I think that's the easiest. Um, the, so this idea of technology gives us the efficiency so we can let the connection go. Um, I think we're learning that there, there's, a, there's a ceiling for that. Um, and I think, uh, so that for sure. Um, and then um, I have a privilege of a, a fairly motivated um, child still in secondary. Um, but I know as I watch some of my friends, the I can teach other, I can equip other parents for teaching while I'm also teaching my own kids. I think that is, um, I can't imagine doing that with elementary students actually. Like I just think there's all kinds of medals that need to be handed out to parents all over the world. Um, I saw a sign um, in a street when I went to pick up my son from university when they were closing down. And, uh, you know, it said a million parents around the world are going to find out that it wasn't the teacher's fault. And I think there is a lot of that going on um, right now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So, Alice, you've been working from home with your three children, uh, two at school, working from home, and your husband was also teaching from home as well. Alice, tell us what that's been like and oh, what you've yeah. enjoyed, but what, you, what do you want to leave behind? <laughs> oh, look, I think I really enjoyed seeing my husband. He'll be doing a Zoom with teenagers, I think year eights, and he has them coming in and out on a Zoom meeting. They're doing work. And then he'll be, he's got the kids next to him. So I've got a grade two, a prep and a two-year-old. Um, I'd probably feel the worst with my two-year-old that just roams the house at times <laughs> and gets up to mischief while my prep um, daughter has to, you know, so intensive time to sit with her. So look, I think I've enjoyed had, having Jay home, you know, to be part of the learning. And in that space, that's my husband. Um, that's been really nice. So I will miss that, but I won't miss having some time just to work um, and be able to kind of have some time out and space. Um, but no, I think I've enjoyed, but I'm a teacher being in part of my kids learning. I've really enjoyed that part. Um, so there's probably more things that I don't want to go back to normal. I don't want to go back to the busy, crazy life I had beforehand. Um, there's probably more positives about even our relationship as a family together and um, how we're going about our days and the rhythms that we have now. So there's probably more positives that I want to keep. Um, but, yeah, not having to work in the evenings and on a weekend is what I'm looking forward to not having to do. But I think um, you're right, though, with, with the technology. We're all sick of Zoom meetings, but yet we've seen that for some part-time staff you know, Zoom could be used more effectively to record meetings or to enable people to be at home. And we've all got our own different patterns according to our, our children and our family's stage of life, haven't we, as to whether we have to leave school um, straight away at the end of the day to run our own children to their sport and we work in the evening or vice versa. But at the moment, um, you know, I've enjoyed trying to not work too much on the weekend and having quite quieter times on the weekend and not rushing around has been uh, pleasurable hasn't it to sit and perhaps read or get out in your garden or go for a walk with your family those things we want to um, hang on to while we leave behind <laughs> some of the other bits and pieces Emily at your school what would you like to leave behind and forget about in this period of online learning yeah, I guess it's that thing of what do we want to leave behind in the season that we're in. Um, and I guess in South Australia, we're not quite like Victoria where we've had to have staff teaching from home and um, have those distractions. We did it for a very short period of time and realised that we weren't suited for it. Um, uh, but I think what do we want to leave behind from the old ways of doing things pre-COVID? I think that, like Alice was saying, the positives that have come out of this, that I, I'm looking at the blessings that have come out of us to think about how we, we do things and it's quite um, interesting for us. We've actually keep going back to our iTech 19 language of all of the things of reimagining of how we're doing things, this, this fourth period of being innovative. Um, and I've really appreciated the white space and the slowdown of everything in, in crossing things even off the school calendar with everything that got cancelled, although it's really disappointing not to do those things. I was kind of secretly cheering in a way because it gets you can be in a space for a couple of hours where you're just creating and you're just in a in this space where you're not having to make the daily the daily decisions of, of when everyone's on site. So I've really appreciated that. And I think leaving behind this idea of that we all have to do it on our own, that we can work in teams, that we can work collaboratively, 
Um, and we can be creative um, in how we do things and, and asking those questions and realising that we can actually do it in this rapid change, that we all do have the capacity to do it um, and, and keep that momentum going um, in, that, in that way. Can I maybe add some of the things that are coming to mind that we want to leave behind? I know in Victoria, we were very excited to leave behind NAPLAN and the standardised testing. Mm -hmm. um, we would love, I would have loved to see more creative, more, a re-look at our ATAR end of year tertiary entrance of how we go about that process in Australia. Um, and also just thinking about, um, yeah, I guess use of time in terms of meetings particular, like what you talked about earlier, Darren, how we use the time. But I think we have to look across the structures in our school. If I think about what's actually holding us, when we talk about reimagining, I think it's really the way we've got our structure and our systems that we have to get more bold in how we move forward. And I think when we had even the ATAR that, that was going to not be used and then they decided to go back to normal, we're in that, that tension between feeling that we're still in the old system and and then also wanting to break free i think um but then all, but that system is still carrying with us you know that we have to meet that uh, what even parents expect because of what they think about what is required and what they're paying for so it's an interesting time but i think we need to keep pushing the boundaries for what it could be like and keep trying to be creative in that space so that's probably Darren, what do you reckon yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree completely with the some of the infrastructure that we said was so essential to schooling, like NAPLAN, standardised testing and the formal year 12 kind of things. And then, you know, we, we've just stopped them. <laughs> and uh, I know, I, like you, I'm secretly hoping that they don't come back. One of the things I hope that, um, that we don't lose also is some of the insights that we've gained about our students. Um, I know some students that maybe just the stimulus of having 24 or 25 other students in the classroom to perform to, when they take that away, uh, we have seen real insights about the fact that they are capable learners, they're responsible learners, they're engaged. Um, however, simply the structure of the regular classroom, which of course is just a structure that we've invented, doesn't suit them. And uh, like you were saying, uh, Emily, you know, it suits some teachers to be at home, and it, but most of us like actually being with each other. For some students, just this opportunity to learn from home and take away the audience from each other and learn, I hope that we don't lose that insight that these are responsible people given different scenarios. Yeah. Can I just add on what Dan just said with that, that um, they are responsible. and we, We're doing our school at home model, which is designed for everyone to be at home. And we're having to supervise students because of the way things change so quickly in the holidays. We've committed to the model. So we're supervising kids running the school at home program at school. Um, and it's a square peg round hole situation. And we're muddling through and it's fine. And, and, but the, the way the kids are engaging in that because we've, we've got such a flexible timetable and they're given autonomy and responsibility and actually saying, you know what, we're, we're seeing kids working probably a little bit harder um, and a little bit in a, in a more settled way because they are choosing their learning. They're choosing the way in which they want to go about it um, and that autonomy. But six, line, six lesson timetable and, we t you know, you're trying to, trying to make two things that don't marry one another work. And we will muddle through. But I'm very convinced that when we talk about the structure, as Alice mentioned and Dan mentioned, we can, we can make some bold decisions, I think. And I get a bit excited about looking at semester two and saying, well, the timetable is not set in place yet. What can we do to play around with that and, and make some decisions, just even if it's 
lesson structures and putting blocks of time and have sessions of time where I talk about our white space as teachers where we're not interrupted, but what about students that are captivated with what they're working on and want to work on it for two hours uninterrupted instead of moving off after 15 minutes to another subject and change their thinking? So, yeah, certainly. And, and I think that idea of being bold in making those decisions is a big thing. And certainly we've enjoyed um, across our Australian schools just sharing lots of ideas. We've had our teaching and learning team meeting together and that's been really wonderful. Um, just all, all sharing ideas, what's working in our different states. I know our principals have been reaching out to one another and working together. But we've also really enjoyed um, being connected to you, Darren, in, in Canada and to see how you guys have gone. We felt like we were a few a couple of weeks behind you and now we feel like we're a few weeks ahead of you. <laughs> um, so we really we really hope that we can keep some of these conversations going. Um, sure, we might all be tired of having online meetings, but there have been times when online meetings have been really valuable and this is one of them. So Darren, we just want to ask you for any final thoughts and then we might um, wrap up soon, but anything else you want to share before we wrap up? Well, I just love the idea of staying connected because I do believe that as we, um, this is a global issue that we're all dealing with in different creative ways. And as we share stories, um, we're all going to improve because we find ways of sharing these stories. So I just want to thank you for the opportunity. I look forward to um, like you said, you guys are, you're ahead of the curve now. So now everyone gets to look at you guys to see, uh, you guys get to make the mistakes and then let us know what they are so that we can, uh, we can avoid those and, um, and learn from you. So I just look forward to continuing this conversation in the, in the many ways we can over the, the next weeks and months. Um, because I think there's a lot of similarities in the, in the quality Christian education that's happening in Canada with the quality Christian education happening in Australia. And I just think anything we can do to continue those, those connections and that the, the stories, um, Christian education around the world will benefit because of this relationship. So just thank you for this time again um, to engage. Yeah, absolutely. And yep, keep, keep engaging, keep reimagining, keep being innovative. Um, and yes, all to spread Christian education for God's glory to just help bring restoration to this world. So thank you so much for your time, Darren, and thank you to Alice, Emily, Dan, and Michael who joined us today. And, um, yep, let's keep the conversation going. God bless. Bye.